This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday mailbag edition. It might be a new year. It doesn't mean it's not special and it wouldn't be anywhere near as special unless I, Scott Phillips, was joined by him. Andrew, I think Sir Andrew, Lord Andrew of Page. Uh, that may again be an f- upcoming episode. If so, we've given you an Easter egg for later. How are you, mate? Good. I'm glad you remembered the Lord. It was very uh, important. Contractual, <laughs> even, you could say. I, let's, not, let's not pull the curtain back too far, other than to say uh, I've, had to, I've had to sell my soul to this podcast. All, all I'm saying, uh, you, uh, you, do what you, you do what you need to do. Mate, um, should we just get into it? I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm hot to trot. Let's I'm dive glad. in. Because uh well speaking of speaking of titles, speaking of names. Andrew wrote in. Not you, Andrew, although as far as I know. Uh he says, Hello, Professor Phillips and Dr. Rant Page. Sure how come you get a how come you get a higher qualification? Depends I feel- who you are. Depends who you are. You know how surgeons are called Mr. Do you, do you have you heard that? Oh, I talked about know. that before. So apparently surgeons. Uh, it's offensive to call them doctor. They want to be called Mister, and apparently goes back to some historical thing. So, if there are any surgeons listening, feel free to let me know. But apparently, that's the story. There's some weird Doctor Mister thing about that. Which, well, you know, I, I didn't know that, and mm. I didn't know that surgeons had such fragile egos at the same time. So, there's two things I've just learned. Thank you. And part of our audience goes with it. So that's, uh, that's good to know. Uh, Henry says, "Love the pod. I look forward to listening to it each Friday and Sunday, especially for Scott's dad jokes." And Andrew's fist shaking at the sky. Andrew, this is what we call Stockholm syndrome. Speaking of medical professionals, you possibly <laughs> may need to uh, may need to look that up. But the problem is, once you've got Stockholm syndrome, you don't want to not have it anymore. So that's that's yeah. why it's so insidious, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he says, as a mid forties father of two young kids, I could certainly relate to and enjoy both. I do have a question for the mailbag, but first, a suggestion. The suggestion is for a special adults-only uncut episode of Motley for Money, sponsored by both Treasury Wine Estates and Endeavour Group. It would basically mm-hmm. involve the two of you recording a fireside chat one boozy Saturday night after a barbecue and the consumption of a choice selection of the aforementioned sponsors' beverages. Topics could oh. range from Bitcoin and AI to climate change and residential tenancy laws to Australian residential property. Oh, sorry, to is Australian residential property a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> no investing topic would be taboo. It would make an interesting, thought-provoking and perhaps controversial episode. Imagine the five-star <laughs> reviews you'd generate. Now, uh, Ram, firstly, if you're listening, Treasury or, uh, or Endeavour, we're open to sponsors, so please get in touch. Uh, you've got my details. <laughs> yes. You know how to get in touch with me, so uh, never let it be said we, uh, we're going to knock back a, a sponsor, particularly one uh, that can provide us with aforementioned adult beverages. Second thing I'd say, not to you, Andrew, but to the questioner, Andrew, the listener, Andrew, is um, the topics you highlighted are the ones we rant about already. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> uh, maybe are you not entertained? <laughs> Have we more, not delivered? Maybe a little more blue. I, 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 do, I wonder a little bit how much more unhinged uh, Andrew thinks we would be if we were uh, a, couple of, a couple of sheets to the wind, mate, because I don't think we hold back particularly at the moment. Um, and so the language but, may, but, may change or the, the rants may go for longer. I'm not sure. And a lot more F-bombs probably. Like you'd, you'd get a, a fair whack of that as well. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay meets Motley Fool Money. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. I, mean, have- it's, it's, I, I love the idea, but it's ex- so extraordinarily dangerous. I can't tell you the number of times that we say our farewells over Zoom to each other and then I go and make a coffee and think, did I say that? Should have I? You know, and, I, and if there's anything that alcohol is going to sort of accelerate, it's that that hmm, that m- next morning regret. Uh, I feel as though that yeah, it's just very dangerous. Suffice it to say, it probably wouldn't be broadcast live. Um, yeah. That being said, let me let me put something out there. First, I think it's the first bag of the new year. Um, mm-hmm. Let me let me put this out there. We, Anna and I, have toyed with possibly doing a live recording. Maybe not a boozy one, although we have toyed about doing it at a pub. A live recording of Motley Full Money. A Motley Full Money live, if you like. Now, I'm in Barrel. He's in Sydney. So it's probably going to be somewhere, uh, you know, around, around the greater Sydney area. If you're interested in that, let us know. Uh, if you have venue suggestions, let us know. Frankly, we're not going to be paying a lot of money, nor are we going to uh, pay as much as we love our listeners to pay uh, for, for venue hire. Uh, but I can imagine a scenario where maybe we were sitting on stage with a, a brewski in hand. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm, here's the other thing though, Ram. I'd have to find a pub that didn't only serve IPA. 
It's speaking of my old man fish shaking at the sky. Why every new bloody beer has to be an IPA or an XBA or a summer ale. For God's sake, we have enough of them. Um, so if there was a two is old or a Guinness, that's the sort of pub I might be at. I don't know that you would uh, partake of the same liquid refreshments, would you? Uh, look, I, I've got plenty of time for an old and a, and a Guinness. Okay. But I am very partial to the uh, the modern craft so brew as well. Bloody so. pale ale. God. Yeah. yeah. Hey, they're out. good. Yeah. They're good. They're tasty. Shout out to a local brewery down my way, Eden Brewery. Um, does a really great lager, a really great Mexican lager. So there you go. I tried that the other day. Okay. Again, I went to the head. Just I had a barrel of food and wine festival. I turned up. I was like, oh, what would you like? It's like pale ale, pale ale, pale ale, pale ale lager. It's like I'll have your lager, please, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, really good. It was very, very drinkable. Um, so okay. uh, yes, nice. oh, I was supposed nice. to say sessionable these days. That's the cool way to say drinkable. Isn't it sessionable ale? Sessionable. Se- was having a session, so it's sessionable. It's like you can drink a few ah. of them, apparently. Oh, there you go. I, yeah, I'm never going to say that word again. Mate, <laughs> uh, let's move on because Andrew says, on a more serious note, I do have a question for the mailbag. Oh, dear. We talk about a potential, potentially large losses in the share market, but there's nothing like a nasty divorce to halve your asset base in one fell swoop. No, that's true. In recent times, he says, I've noted a few higher profile separations linked to listed companies. For instance, Jeff and Mackenzie Bezos, Bill and Melinda Gates, Kerr and Judith Nielsen, Hamish Douglas and Alexandra, Twiggy Forrest and Nicola, and most recently, Mike Cannonbrooks and Annie. My question is, do these separations have an impact on the share prices of the associated companies? And is there an investment opportunity from a share price falling? For example, because a former spouse is selling a large portion of their shareholding. Alternatively, would it be a potential red flag for the company in that the physical and mental stress of the relationship breakdown affects management and business decisions? Many mm. thanks in advance for your reply and keep up the great work on the pod. Kind regards, Andrew. Andrew, I love that you're trying to profit from other people's misery, mate. That's very... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, mate, let's start with the first part of the question. Uh, is there an opportunity uh, if when, when the former spouse is selling, things are a bit messy? I don't think so. And if the answer is yes, then it would be a very small, hard to spot, hard to exploit one would be my instinct. Um, People who are selling large blocks of shares tend to do it over the counter or the, the, you know, OTC in the parlance of the industry. In other words, it doesn't. They don't. They don't go to an exchange and just dump a market order onto the market or even put a limit order. They'll go into these dark pools, and it's all it sounds all very conspiratorial. But it's just, it's just there. There are there are cross trades. There are, you know block trades. There's all these yeah. things where basically you say to a broker who caters to this kind of thing, mm-hmm. I don't want to sell a very substantial parcel of shares. And they ring up fund managers and big institutions and say, hey, if you want to acquire some of this, like in one go at one price, without having to worry about liquidity issues on the market, or in fact, even signaling what's happening on the market, uh, here's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, I can sell you my shares at any price I want. I, we can do an off-market trade right now. Well, not right now, but we could both, I could download a form, fill out my part, send it to you, fill, and, and I could say, I'm going to sell you... You know, or you're going to sell me all your soul patch shares for one cent each. If, if you want to do that, you can. Um, uh, so they might, maybe there's a lower price on offer to get it across the line, but you, you're generally not going to see it, it play out on market. I don't, I don't think. I think you're right. Um, for exactly the reason you highlighted, mate, um, people, it, it's the off market block trade. Uh, yeah, you're generally speaking at a slightly discounted price, right? Because that's that, that's the price of getting these the shares sold. So eight dollars share price, you might do a deal for seven seventy or something. So take take my four percent, five percent, two percent, and get rid of it. The other thing, by the way, for I, 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 so the part of me does, you know, the part of me wants to be fascinated by this stuff, does want to kind of know what goes on behind closed doors. But almost mm-hmm. always, when these things happen, um, the the split is. If not amicable, you say nasty divorces, and there's some nasty circumstances. Um, it does fascinate me the the way that these things get managed reasonably. And it seems to me, speaking of Stockholm Syndrome, there is a bit of that. Even when there's infidelity or alleged infidelity, it kind of like for whatever whatever toys get thrown out of the cot in private, the public shareholding is almost, I think, I don't remember the last time there was a nasty selling off of anything. Even the Jeff Bezos and the Bill Gates stuff, you know, nasty, nasty, nasty personal stuff. But mm. kind of they say, okay, well, now I'm holding my shares and I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do the other. Mm. Um the only time you would see it, mate, is if you f- if the market felt like the breakup and subsequent sale would 
meaningfully impact the way a company was run. If it was going to, for example, somehow Jeff Bezos lost control of Amazon and some corporate raider could pick it up and change the strategy or something, then you kind of get something there. Other than that, if Bezos is still there, he's still got a big shareholding, you still going to keep running the company his way, you kind of go, okay, well, nothing to see here. So it's, as, as always, the market only reacts with lower prices when it sees, so prices only change when the market sees something that's changing, sees something that's different, sees a different opportunity or risk or threat. Um, generally speaking, I can't remember the last time that was true from a, from a corporate divorce, really, honestly. Um, some cases, there's a escrow, some cases, the, um, the, the, the splitting partner commits to holding the shares. Uh, often, those shares are voted together. There's a, normally an agreement uh, from, from the non-business spouse, uh, generally the woman in the examples you've given us, and in most cases, um, that the, the, you know, the, kind of the spouse's shares will be voted by the, the, the business owner or business founder or business manager in, in the business. Not always, but often. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just rarely, rarely an issue. Um, mm. it, Andrew also asks, mate, would it be a red flag given the physical and mental stress of the breakdown. Is that something you worry about when you think, well, hang on, maybe this person's preoccupied or not quite bringing their A game or something else is going on? Yeah, it's, well, it's interesting because you never know what's happening behind closed doors. You could yeah. almost make the argument that the divorce is now we've got some clear air because there's probably <laughs> been a whole bunch yeah. of tension and angst within the relationship for God knows how long. Mm. And you are now seeing the point where both parties, um, hopefully amicably, go, oh, thank goodness, that's behind us now. Now I can focus on the business. What you don't know out there in, in, the, in, in the public is that actually the last two years have been me preoccupied with fighting with my other half, with seeing marriage counsellors, yeah. with talking to lawyers, and now that's gone. So if there is an impact, and I, I look, honestly, I think mm. any anyone going through a, such a stress, stressful and hurtful, frankly, ordeal is 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 going to be distracted at, at at some level, but if you think about it, um, I suspect that the divorce is actually the point at which it's just sort of like it just sort of puts a pin in it, you know, or puts a a period behind everything. Go boom, okay, yeah. I'm with my life. Yeah. Um, so I think you could look at it that way. I think that's probably right, actually, mate. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, Yes, it's you know what's funny. It's 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 kind of that something. Once something becomes public, we worry about it. Despite mm. the fact that in private, that's been happening the whole time anyway, as you yeah. as you rightly point out. I will say, um, Jeff Bezos relatively subsequently decided to uh, take up with the the lady he was seeing uh, has moved out of the CEO's role and is off doing kind of you know Jeff Bezosy stuff. Um, so there is there is probably a bit of a potentially a. I would say midlife crisis, but no, I don't mean that, Jeff, either. But there may be some sort of reassessment of life, of, of a second wind uh, in terms of, you know, trying to impress the new spouse or, or whatever else goes on with, mm. with breakups and new marriages and affairs and that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't it's possible, I suppose. Um, it doesn't really, it doesn't really worry me, I have to say. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's a big deal. Right? It's a big deal. I have noticed Mike Cannonbrook's a whole lot less public uh, on some comments and social media and stuff recently. And whether that's to do with the divorce or not, who knows? And it, it's probably not really my place to, to speculate. Um, uh, also, Atlassian share price have been falling, so maybe he's doubling down on that. I think that's, you know, there is... One of the things I talk about a lot is... The idea of like, it's a bit like, it's nothing like, but also very like the old share purchase plans, right? Someone sees something in the mail, you think, oh, there's a thing. Now I have to act on that. I have to respond to that. It's, I wasn't thinking about buying more woolly shares, but they're having a share purchase plan. So maybe mm. I should buy some more shares. It, oh, it, look, it's it, 3% cheaper than what I could have got on market. Right. And so it changes your thinking, you, you, but you're, you're drawn to think about that thing. And so the same with mm. the divorce, like, oh, such and such a divorce. Now, frankly, again, without naming names and, and, and whatever, um, you know, someone who might have been having an affair for the last five years and trying to split their, their time between the wife, the family, the business and the affair, mm -hmm. you know, the stress of that being over, at least as a, as a clandestine thing or having to hide that or having you know, being preoccupied with trying to manage, you know, keep three or four plates in the air rather than two or three. Um, you know, those things, those things do matter. So just because we know about it, just because it's a thing, um, I wouldn't, you know, we could have, and again, God forbid, but we could have, you know, execs with children in hospital or, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. dealing with a, you know, a family member who's crook or a mother who just died or, you know, I, we don't worry about those things because we don't see them. And yet we yeah. kind of see the divorce reported and we're like, I wonder what that must mean. And we're kind of, we feel obliged to take a view. I think mm. sometimes it's worth just saying, yeah, it's probably not relevant. And, you know, compared to things we don't know that are still going on anyway, the other dozen things or so, um, probably shouldn't overweight it just because it gets reported in the paper. Yeah, I, I also think the really great companies don't, I mean, key, key person risk is a thing, right? Yeah, there, there are some real rainmakers out there that the business, you know, like 
would not be the same without that person at the yeah. helm. And I get it. But the really good businesses have lots of redundancies and stuff in in place for the proverbial bus that mm. comes along and wipes you out, <laughs> you know? Um, it has long been theorised what happens to Berkshire when, yeah, when Charlie right. and, and Warren are no longer there. Well, one of them's already gone and that didn't really seem to have an impact. And I don't mm-hmm. – you know, is Berkshire the same without Warren there? No, it's clearly not. Is it something that's going to be a disaster? I don't think so mm. because there has been decades of preparation and um, investment in culture and and – so this isn't a guarantee that, in fact, it is guaranteed that this, most companies are not as well planned and far-sighted <laughs> as that. Mm. But but I do think that it is probably a negative if the only way this is a good investment is if person A is at the helm. Yeah, you, right. you want again speaking of that's Buffett, right, you want right. you want the business a ham sandwich can run because one day a ham sandwich will run. You want well, what's the other saying? You know, when a when a business with a reputation, well, well sorry, when an industry with a reputation for um, being terrible meets the uh, management team with a reputation of being brilliant. It's the industry's reputation that remains intact. Yeah. So, so you you want absolutely very capable, aligned, talented people running the show. Obviously, obviously. Mm-hmm. But to me, it is it is more important to have a very attractive uh, business structure model. Um, uh, competitive position, et cetera, et cetera, moats um, than it is to, to have that. I mean, I'll have both, thanks, if I can, if I can choose. And I can, <laughs> fortunately, because right. there's lots and lots of options that are out there. That's right. But that's just something else to think about as well. Yeah, nicely put. Mate, uh, George sent us an email and said, uh, Hi, Scott and Ram. I've only been listening to your podcast for a bit over a year and felt I have learned so many things I didn't know I didn't know. Thank you, mate. First, some context. I'm 22. Bastard. And my fiance 20 and I are expecting our second child in April. We're both from farming families and have worked hard from a young age and we're expected to be able to buy a modest home. Oh, sorry, we did buy a modest home last year. Well done. That's impressive. Two kids and a, and a, and a home under, under 22 and 20. Well done. This year, we have taken on a new job managing a motel and have moved into the residence. We've decided to rent our house out, but wanted to hear your thoughts on renting it out versus selling and investing the money instead. I know Ram has repeatedly said he would not invest in real estate and wouldn't intentionally do it. But I feel by owning one house, we stay in the game. And therefore, regardless of what happens with the housing market, we'll hopefully be able to sell our old house and buy a bigger one in future. He also says, P.S. Ram, if you'd like to move to Corowa, a beautiful town on the border of New South Wales and Victoria, we will gladly rent you a perfectly working house for a more than reasonable price. Looking forward to I've hearing been, your response. Co- yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Yeah. Um, nice. Look, if it was up to me, I'd be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In a heartbeat. You don't always make our own decisions. Looking forward to hearing your response. Full on regards, George. There's a lot in this question, mate, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, Can I I'll, clarify something, though? Please. I, I, feel, I feel like I could- I get misunderstood, um, which is my cross I, to bear. I, I, I fear you may actually be perfectly understood, which actually may dis- disappoint you more than otherwise. But go on, let's let's presume you're misunderstood and let's explain why, shall we? Too many people write in or just in general in my life goes, oh, you hate property. It's like, I don't know how many times I have to say, I don't. I really love, pro- I think property is one of the best asset classes around. Yeah. I just happen to think that Australian property, at least in the capital cities, at this point in time happens mm. to be obscenely overpriced. It doesn't mean that the asset itself is poor. Or, and I'll, I'll make the distinction again, like having somewhere to live is yeah. is a very different proposition than, than having an investment property because, you know, I get to enjoy the utility of the asset. So, so it's just, just a little, little bit of subtlety, a little bit of nuance there. And, and if, if, if I could, if I could find a house that um, was yielding me five percent, say, gross rental income, and I could do that without stretching myself and and um, make sure that the net yield after costs and that was still reasonable, mm. I, I'm all in. Sign me up, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So just, I didn't want to make that point. Um, why can't you? sell the house and it's not a it was a very telling statement in there in the game yep. stay in the game now i know i know i don't want to overanalyze this too much but it is sure you do well we, we the language is is always interesting yep. here True. you can't yep. the, no one in the media can open their mouth without saying getting on the ladder or getting into ladder, the market. i'm in the market but no you are not in the market if you are currently buying or selling you're in the market 
Otherwise, you own a house. You're not in the market. I'm not in right? the share market because I've owned Berkshire shares for 10 years. You're not in the market. Shares. That's right. You're a shareholder, right? Yeah. And it, yeah. it is, I know it seems like a really pedantic kind of point, but I think it belies. Our language the, matters, mate. It, I, I, I'm 100% with you. Language matters it, a lot. It, it, it implies that this is just a speculation. I'm in yes. the market and I can do this and I can flip this and I can make this and I can do this. And it's just sort of like, whatever happens to having. Buffett talks a lot about you want to own something that if the share market closed for 10 years, it wouldn't matter. And mm. that that blows a lot of people's brains. It's like, what? Why would I buy shares if I can't sell it? Mm. And the very excellent point that he is making is that there is an intrinsic value to being an owner of that business. Mm-hmm. You know, um, th- there are lots of private businesses you can't buy and sell shares in. But you know what? You would love to own them because mm. they gush cash and they pay the owners dividends and salaries. You know, the value isn't in the, I can find a greater fool to flip it to. The value is intrinsic to the thing. Mm. And that's the great thing about owning a home. It's just sort of like, whether I can sell it or not, who cares? Who cares what the market price is? Can I afford this without being overly stretched? And do I get to live in it? And not have to like have an argument every time I want to put a poster on the wall or, you know, the, a light bulb needs changing. Like that, that is so immensely um, fundamental to the whole yeah. thing, right? And, and yeah, that's it's also my problem with the, the, the term ladder. It's, it's like you must ladder your way up to, and it's just like buy, flip, buy, flip, buy, flip. It's just sort of, we are all. We're all a little bit mad, and um, <laughs> dear listener, I'm I'm I am I'm using your very reasonable comments as a launching pad. You I was going to say you started by saying I think I misunderstood, and then uh, that that quickly ran to a rant in about yeah. it. The, 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 sorry, sorry, I'm it's kidding, just it's really it really gets under my skin though, as you can tell. Um, but why not? Why I don't know the situation. If yeah. if that house is free and clear, like there's no mortgage against it. Mm. Um, and there's no mortgage against the business that you now own or yeah. loan against the business. I guess my my consideration would be, well, what am I getting in terms of my rental yield? Yeah. If I'm getting if I'm getting a really and in the country it's a very different story into you know you know where Sydney I um but if I'm getting a decent yield, probably keep it. Probably keep it, frankly. Um if I'm not, or it's just causing me grief because of the tenant situation or whatever it happens to be, and I can just like buy a put my money in a term deposit for the next 12, 24 months and get five or 6% that way, risk-free, I'd have to ask myself, why Why yeah, wouldn't yeah. I do that? I think people are naturally reluctant to do it because their lived experience is, if I do that, it will run away. I.e., I sell my house for a million dollars, two years' time I decide to get back in and the same thing is now $2 million. Yep. So whatever you do, don't get out of the market, don't get off the ladder because if you do, then things just whoosh by. And and that's not unreasonable given given the experience that that we that we have had. Mm. Um, so you need to have a view on that. You probably guess what my view is. I don't I don't think you are going to see things double <laughs> in the next few years. Of course, the way the universe works is it's almost guaranteed yeah. to do that now, especially that I've said that. Um, but but if if you if you're not expecting fairly significant and near term growth, then you you can park that money in. In another, in an alternative asset, mm. not no, be careful with my language. In a different asset, <laughs> whether that be shares or whatever, that giving you a better use of your money. And then if you decide that this hotel game is not for us, I'm sick of it. I want to get the house again. Well, then you can buy a house, right? Like it, it, it's not one door. It, that door doesn't close forever. I, and I know that feels reckless because that has that's actually been our case. We owned a house, we sold it. And now it's impossible to get back to where we were it's just because things have moved so much. So I, believe you me when I say <laughs> I get it, I get it. Um, the other thing I would say is if I did have a bit of a loan on the house and on the business, there is a great deal of um, uh, peace of mind mm. that would come from just selling it and being in a much lower leveraged position especially when you're running a small business like that, right? Mm. As well, that is a lot yeah, of stress yeah. to, to, to carry on your shoulders of trying to make this business work, trying to grow the business, trying to make it a better business and, and not being worried about how you're going to make the next mortgage payment or the rest. Like that is, that is right up, you, you know, the top three, we talk about divorce before. I think divorce, moving and financial troubles are, 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 the, are the three biggest causes of stress in the modern world. They are, it used yeah. to be, 
being chased by a lion and stuff. But in the modern world, it's yeah. it's yeah. those things. And yeah. I just feel as though that you, you don't you want to give yourself an ulcer and have all the the. Yeah, that, that, in fact, it's going to impact your relationship as well, right? Mm. So it has all kinds of big ramifications. And I personally would urge more towards a, a structure and a scenario that makes me a, a little bit more anti-fragile and lets me sleep better at night. Mm. I might regret that down the track when, when property 10X is over the next five years. <laughs> um, but unless you're confident in that in happening, I, I, I tend to lean that way. So I actually take a different view to yours, mate, actually. Um, and, and largely, ironically, back to the regret minimization framework uh, or, or risk minimization, but from a different perspective. And that's, I guess, why these are useful conversations because I was with you up until about the five, six of the way through your response, um, which is, so, and there's a, couple, there's a couple of things I need to break apart out of the question, which I will get to in a sec, George. Um, I, for all of your comments about the ladder and all that kind of stuff, I think that's true. And I think if you have a million dollar place just for the, pick a number and use, use your example before and it goes to 900,000 you probably better know you've lost some money but if it goes to two million dollars you can't get back into the market and I think my in terms of risk mitigation risk regret minimization whatever 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 having an asset particularly ironically if it is leveraged because if you send a million dollar hashtag a hundred thousand dollars out and then prices double you know even if you invest that money even if you get better than than that return your hundred grand becomes 250 but the property's gone from a million to two million the quantum of, of, of change is so huge. And I think the, speaking of asymmetry, if I buy a million dollar property, it goes down a bit, nah, it kind of sucks. If I, buy, if I buy one, it goes up a lot. If I don't buy one, it goes up a lot, then I'm kind of locked out. I think the, the asymmetry on that for me is if you're in a position where you've got, an, uh, you, you have a property, I won't say you're on the property ladder because uh, I don't want to earn your ire. Don't you uh, dare. This, this, uh, exactly. Uh, but you know the, the idea of, I think if, if I play that forward, Having having got that property and being in that position of having, uh, you you are, uh, there's there's a I, I don't know you're you're in the same stream or there's there's an analogy there somewhere which is not ladder and it's not in the market but you know you're kind of you, you've got your position in the race maybe is, I, I don't know there's there's better ways um, but you get the broad idea I think if if it was to rise the dollar value of the increase is it, it's hard to beat particularly if you are still leveraged ironically if you own the house outright. I would almost go back to your point, mate, because at that point you say, well, a million bucks is a million bucks. I have it in housing or I can have it in, in, in shares. I personally think shares will probably do better than housing in all probability. If they don't, they're not going to do that much worse that you're going to be you know, locked out permanently. Maybe you have to borrow a little bit to get back in if you come to it, but it's going to be small. If I had a leveraged exposure to uh, property, then I think honestly I would actually keep it. A um, couple of things, just George, for what it's worth, um, just to have a think about. The first is uh, you're in the country, uh, from the sound of it, you're, you're, you don't say you're in the country, you say, oh, sorry, you're in Coral, you are. Um, so I I would just be mindful of that particular, I will say market in this case, because it is you know the, the, the price and the mm -hmm. uh, the activity of rent. Appropriate, kind of appropriate use of the term. You, you, you. Are, you are allowed to use that. <laughs> Appreciate that it. I'll allow it. Um, uh, just have a think about about property prices and rentals. Just understand that particularly. Uh, Ram makes the point regularly that an economy isn't a single thing; it's an aggregation. The property market or property generally isn't either. It's an aggregation of things, and different suburbs, towns, cities, regions have different um, different components. So just have a think about that. There is for you some consideration about the tax treatment of your house. Uh, so I will just say that in terms of you know how the tax department you need to get financial advice is the motel going to be considered your principal place of residence if you're living there if not is it the house you are currently renting out in which case you're getting that rent uh which is taxable but in terms of capital gains tax it may not apply you can have a six-year exemption you can live out of your principal place of residence for six years without incurring capital gains tax so that's also material it's not it, it, you know you're you're treating it as an investment property because you're getting income from it maybe you're paying repayments or maybe not uh, but if you are, again, from, an, from a tax perspective, just understand that because it does matter in terms of the implications of what happens if you sell, any gains you may or may not be up for, or the fact you may be able to hold it for five or six years without capital gains tax implications, giving you all the upside if there is any. Prices could fall, as Ram often says. But if there is upside, you may get it tax-free, which is worth just having a, a really, really good think about. So just the way you're planning to... Um, uh, to, to utilize that. Also, how long you expect to be managing the motel and whether the motel may be your principal place of residence for tax purposes. Uh, so tax advice, definitely, definitely worthwhile. So yeah, uh, different different answer to Ram. I would, if it was me, if I was in that position or it was my relative or something, I'd say, you know what? I'd probably keep the property you, you own 
Um, that way your asset will rise at least proportionally or fall, but in proportionally to the rest of the the rest of the properties, the rest of the market. Again, I think I use it in that context, Ram. Mm-hmm. Uh, if and when you're looking to buy another place or sell, um, you know, you you'll be the rising tide in this case, or the falling tide. You're on the, you're on the same tide as everybody else. Uh, rather than getting out at a certain level and hoping the water is the same level when you get back in. Um, I think that the quantum of change, the sheer dollar value of the change, particularly if you're leveraged, I, th- I, I would, if it was me, I would keep it because I would want to know that if my prices went up, my asset's going to increase by a proportional amount. Again, the asset rather than the equity, which actually is more important in this case. You do have leverage risk. You do have repayment costs. So those things are real. Um, but the dollar value of the difference, almost ram to your example, I'm sorry to, to kind of you know, bring it back to that or to, to, to refer, return to that. Um, but that's almost, it's almost precisely why I think the downside risk and the upside risk are asymmetric. I would, I would hold onto the property and, and make sure I was proportionally exposed. Mm. Any other thoughts or shall we move on? I, I just, I had to laugh. It was like, when you say, well, as Ram says, prices can go down. I, I really feel it is, it is only me. That- <laughs> <laughs> I was just giving you credit for having said it before. That's all. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you're the only person who says it. I just didn't want to pretend I was taking that line for myself. I was trying to refer well, some glory back to you. It's just, it's just, well, what's, what's interesting, uh, and I can attest to it because I live, it's my life that I'm living, and <laughs> is that that is that statement, not that prices will fall, but that they could is controversial. Yeah. Like it is in my, like every time we say, because it's Australia and you can't like have a conversation without someone mentioning property and you go, oh yeah, but what about, you know, could go down and just like, it's like you've just said, oh, but what if aliens land and, you know. Like, <laughs> That's right. You know, yes, it's yes. like, I'm not, I, I feel as though it's just a very, like it's a statement of obvious fact that, yep. you know, sometimes, not all the time and maybe not on average over the long term, but sometimes prices, prices yes. do go, go down. Yes. And you're just like, you get looked at as if you've got two heads. It's like, I, didn't think it was that controversial a statement, but it is. But it is, and that—that that, I don't know. That's a that's a data point. I, I would I would I would uh, consider. Yeah, I like <laughs> the, it. That's fair. The, 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 mo- the moment the moment that every, like when when such a blindingly obvious statement becomes controversial, it probably tells you somewhere about something about where you are in the cycle. <laughs> I, think. I think that's probably right too. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's move on to a, a question from Brent, who starts by saying, good morning, Scott and Andrew. Well, it's not morning. Oh, it's morning now. It's Sunday morning, of course. Um, good morning, Scott and Andrew. I can't bloody wait, says Brent, to warm up the podcast machine on a Friday and a Sunday to listen to your new episodes. Thank you again for this amazing resource. There you go. <laughs> Via a takeover, I've recently become the owner of shares in a company called Parenti, which provide mining services. Not knowing much about the company, I pulled up and attempted to read the annual report. All 172 pages of the thing. Oh, good on you. Yes. Is there some competition, he says, where the longest annual report each year wins a prize or something? <laughs> he says, that's not a podcast question, but seriously. I thought I'd throw it as a podcast question anyway, although I'm not expecting you to answer it. We'll call it a rhetorical podcast question, Brent. After scrolling past the nice, pretty numbers, he says, showing how well the business did last year, I went to the profit and loss and the cash flow statements. Not surprisingly, they were gibberish to me. Is there a resource like reading annual statements for dummies you would recommend to someone like me who is keen to learn more? Also, I hear this term a lot. What constitutes a strong balance sheet what are some common orange or red flags we can look for? Oh, Lastly, I heard the term cash or cash equivalents. What is a cash mm. equivalent? Asks Brent. Warmest regards from Brent. Mm. Uh, really, really good questions there, mate. Um, is there a resource round? Let's start with there. How, how, how would you suggest someone learns to read the financial statements? Um, I, I just, I'll go back one step and just oh, yeah. congratulate you for doing what virtually no one does, which, <laughs> which is read the annual Going to report. The source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, good on you. Um, yeah, they're ridiculously long. Mm. Um, you know, interestingly enough, the longest section tends to be the remuneration reports. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just find it curious. But um, I would say you get very familiar with them because they're all structured the same way. So what's worth reading? Well, I want to read the address from the CEO and the chairman. Um, that's, that's easy. And that's only a few pages, generally speaking. Um, I definitely want to look at the statements, the financial statement of financial position, performance, and cash flow um, 
uh, are worth having a look at. And then you, then, the, then you have this huge section on the notes. So that that, that is oh, when you're reading the statements, if you want a bit more information, I'll see, see note three and it'll break down what does it mean by, you know, li- um, debt? What's the structure of that? You, you, so you can it's sort of these statements are a summarized view and then you can dig into the weeds. So when you pull a lot of it apart and you get rid of sort of like the – the guff that sort of is legally obliged to be there, but that doesn't really offer you any information. You, you can digest a, you can digest a lot of it really quickly. So definitely, um, I think I mentioned this on one of our other pre-records, but um, you mentioned some books, but I'll get you to mention them again here. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, honestly, you will find some amazing stuff on YouTube. Yeah, like you really be, will. Be um, careful, you, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I, I think most of us are savvy enough these days to work out the ones that have a little bit of credibility. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe, yeah. maybe not, or maybe not. I don't know, but you'll, 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 you'll see mm. ones that, that yeah. the, the channels that have the good reputation yeah. and the high number of followers and et cetera, et cetera. They, um, uh, but it's just, uh, mm. it, it's a, it's a very helpful way to do it because you get that visual assistance as well. And so you'll true. find two-hour deep dives and you'll find five-minute overviews. And, you know, even stuff like the Khan Academy has stuff on, mm. you know, free resource, educational resource on how to read balance sheets and, and all the rest of it. So I, I'd actually go there. I'd actually go there. In fact, just Google. You'll find some really good blog posts and, and, and the rest of it. And mm. as we said again in a recent app, it's just – it is all a bit overwhelming at first. But, you know, start small – and, and, and expand out from there. And you'll find that the bigger ideas aren't overly complex. Once you get past, a, once you start to familiarize yourself with a bit of the jargon and, you know, about how the, the accounting equation works, um, it, 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 it will, it, the pieces will start to fall into place is all I'm saying. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, you're right. Actually, and, it's, and, it seems it seems really kind of you know impenetrable, but once yeah. you start to put a couple of pieces in place, a bit like a jigsaw, once you see the edges of one piece, the other piece, kind of, it's it's easy to find yes. where the other pieces go. I think that's that's a really nice point, mate. Can I say personally, it took me way longer than it should have for the penny yeah. to drop, and the penny is continuing to drop to this mm-hmm. day, right? But but oh, even when I started at the full, mate, oh I, I felt I was so naive and ignorant to a lot of things and mm. thanks to yourself and some good colleagues and others i mean it's just you're always learning right and um but it does you do reach a point where it's just like ah okay i get it i get it <laughs> and um yeah what else was i gonna say it's it's all you're really getting here the, the, the one of the big light bulb moments for me was understanding how they all fit together Yes. And let's see if I can do this verbally. I'll do. So at the center, you have <laughs> the balance sheet, yep. which which is all you know what it does. It just tells you what, what they own and what they owe and mm-hmm. the difference between the two. That's it. We own this stuff. We call it assets. These are things that, that have a value that we could, we could in theory at least sell. For, mm-hmm. And there are these things that we owe to other people. There are obligations that we have. That's it. And, and that's a point in time kind of thing. So like right now on this date, here's the cash balance, here's the assets as they're valued, here's the loans that we have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And every 12 months, usually, well, you can do it whatever period you like, but for the annual reports, obviously it's done once a year. You need to, you have another balance sheet and the income statement, the profit and loss statement just bridges, it shows you how equity has changed throughout the year, which is the difference between assets and liabilities. And then the cash flow statement tells you how the cash has changed. So you sort of have this thing in the middle that is bridged at, on one line w- with the cash item with the cash flow statement and the other with the equity line with the profit and loss statement. Mm. Uh, some accountants right now are saying, no, it's actually the statement of changes in equity. And yes, I know. And they all fit together. And we could add that to the flow chart <laughs> as well if we wanted to. But broadly speaking, yeah. that's, that's kind of how it all fits together. Mm. So I'm looking at one. Just, we'll, and we'll get to that second part of the question or third part of the question with you know what is what is um, important in the in the balance sheet and what is cash and cash equivalents and that kind of mean. But I'm just wanting to see how that changes over time. I want us and I want a strong balance sheet, um, and I want I want one that grows and gets stronger over time. And that's only going to happen if the company is able to generate mm. returns and cash profit. <laughs> and and it, it all it elegantly fits together. <laughs> it's actually one of humanity's greatest inventions. I'm going to go out and limb and say double entry bookkeeping was just like a masterstroke, a, like a, a thing of 
beauty, if I could say it that way, which has, which has formalized the language of business mm. and standardized it in such a way that, okay, yes, like a lot of disciplines full of jargon and a little bit opaque is at its core um, elegant and beautiful <laughs> and very symmetrical too. And, uh, and it, it'll, all, it'll all come into focus the more, the more time you spend on it. And then you'll just have a massive edge over, over everyone else. Yeah. Um, That's a long rambly answer. I was, I was really lucky, Brent. I, I had some, I think you're, oh, mate, I don't know. On, here's, here's, my, here's my really, 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 really boring suggestion. Um, go and do a university uh, course. Don't do, don't do a bachelor's degree or a, or a certificate or anything else. Go and do accounting one and accounting two. Go and do accounting A and accounting B. Um, if you genuinely, and this is by the way, this is, this is how, this is the refining step, right? How, how badly do you want to know this stuff? Because if you want to know it, but you don't really want to do the work, that's cool. Then it becomes a curiosity. If you want to know it, you want to do the work. And the reason I say that, Ram, is because if I think about, I'm trying to, if I, if I really, really interrogate myself, think, how did I really learn this stuff? It was because I learned about general ledgers and I learned about assets and liabilities. And I learned about statements of cash flow. I learned how they went together and I had to do a trial balance sheet as if I was an accountant. And it is not the most exciting piece of work. I mentioned another one coming up, another episode coming up. I did a course uh, called Finance for Non-Financial Managers. And that was great for business model stuff, but I think you can get most of that everywhere else. If you really want to understand the way a p and put together, honestly, I know it feels boring. It is boring. Go and do accounting one and accounting two or accounting A and accounting B as it was called when I was at uni. Because um, it, it literally takes you through it. There is no substitute for building it up from, you know, from tin tacks, from starting with raw materials and building a thing. So that's honestly what I would do. If someone said to me, I want to know this stuff, I would say, go, now maybe there's something other than uni these days, but go and do a course on accounting. Um, you will dislike some of it. Some of it will be really boring, but you'll come out with a really good foundation. And don't do it if, don't do it if you don't want to. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying, if you're asking me, how can I learn? That's how I'd start. It's honestly how I'd start. I don't think you can avoid doing that. I, I wish there was a, I mentioned some books in an upcoming episode, as you say, around that teach you about business, but not about accounting. And so if you want to think about what is an intangible asset or um, how are, what is the cash equivalent, which we will we'll talk about in a sec, Brent. But um, those things are just piece by piece. The accountants uh, get a bad rap, right? Accounting is, I find it boring. I, I, I do numbers for a living, accounting itself. I, I never wanted to be an account. I worked in, in business and I worked for uh, in a, what they call commercial finance role. I was never in the, in the accounting team or the finance team. I was always the finance guy helping out the sales and marketing teams. Um, and I love the fact we had great accountants and great finance people who did this stuff for us. Brilliant. Uh, but some of this stuff, you just have to do the work. So honestly, that's the best advice I can give you. There may be textbooks do the same thing. To Ram's point, there may even be online YouTube, um, Accounting 101, and do that. Like whatever it is. I say uni because I know it's a, it's, a, it's a syllabus, right? It's a course. And I actually think that's how I'd recommend people start. If they want to get into it, anyone else other than Brent Bow, if you're listening, it's exactly what I would suggest you do. Um, boring, not very exciting, no shortcut, because that's just the way these things go. Um, I will echo Ram's thoughts about YouTube with a caveat for me, which is just the people on social media, including YouTube, end up with the most followers and the most comments, the most interactions, the most popular because they are, in some cases, the most um, extreme is the wrong word. I'll say dogmatic. Um, you know, who, who are the biggest people on YouTube? They are the far left and the far right. They're the, the shock jocks and the, you know, the whatevers. Um, I would be just a tiny bit careful about big follower accounts, right? There are big follower accounts for conspiracy theories. Doesn't make them right. Um, not that Ram's saying that, but just, just, just really use your judgment. And I was like, you know, I feel bad because we're kind of referencing future episodes. Um, as I said, I think I'm pretty sure on a future episode, um, we, we talk about someone who's we're talking about the market, saying, you know, um, this this thing happened. Therefore, what I now say is true. That referred credibility is a complete mistake. Don't fall in the trap of thinking they say a thing that seems right. Therefore, what they say next, when they say so on that basis, X, don't assume that's right just because it follows. So I would be a little bit more skeptical than, than, um, uh, than maybe Ram suggested. Not that he's not skeptical, but just, just be a little bit careful. If you don't know how to genuinely work out whether they're on the level, um, be careful. Cults are cults because they're charismatic, not because they're right. So just, you know, just be, be super careful with that stuff. Um, if you can find an authoritative as opposed to a popular source, I'd grab that. Again, they're on YouTube. Khan Academy is fantastic. There will be university lecturers who do free, you know, free courses on accounting on YouTube. Find those people. 
Um, not the others can't be credible. Ram and I aren't university lecturers. We're asking you to believe us, but we're asking you to take our, you know, we're, we're making some cases and you can decide for, for yourselves we think we're credible uh, based on what we do and how we do it. So that's, that's a long answer. In terms of cash equivalents, basically things that can be turned into cash quickly. Uh, term deposits, certificates of deposit. Uh, sometimes short-term bonds are considered cash and cash equivalents. Uh, one of the things, by the way, about accounting, quick a quick inside accounting um, reference, there are things called short-term assets and long-term assets. Uh, and the accounting profession requires you to say anything that's going to be, can be sold or used within 12 months is a short-term asset. Anything that is a, has a life of more than 12 months is a long-term asset. Same with short-term and long-term liabilities. Is the debt due within 12 months? It's a short-term liability. Is it due in 12 months or more? It's a long-term liability. They're arbitrary numbers, but they give you a sense. So cash equivalents, basically, anything that is like cash or can be turned into cash quickly. Um, there's probably an, there will definitely an official accounting rule. There's a thing called the Australian Accounting Standards Board. Um, they have standards for each one of these things. There is a standard which tells the, the, the accountants, here's how you must classify an asset to fit into this particular box. Uh, and if you want to read it, that, that's actually, again, speaking of boring, that's where all the specific rules that an accountant must follow to prepare these statements, that's where they all live. Yeah. How'd I go? Um, yeah, good. Uh, look, it's so slippery slopes here because yep. you can go into a lot of different areas. I, I would just, um, if you're looking for short-term, long-term on on the statement there, look, they, they actually call it current and non-current. So oh, just thank to, you. That's what the term, thank you. Yeah, yeah just, just, you know. Thank you. It's, no, it's, no, it's, no, thank you. I you described it. it perfectly, except yep. that's the term that, that oh, yeah, you're was right. used. Yeah, I screwed it up. Um, the uh, uh, Investopedia is a good site as a reference. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. I'll, I'll point you there. They'll that's have a lot cool. of stuff on financial. Um, um, with uh, one, with one, one point that's an American site, so the standards will be slightly different. For you. Believe it or not, the whole world doesn't use the same stand- accounting standards. There is an International Accounting Standards Board. The Yanks just choose not to use that because the Americans are the Americans, and I love them, but they uh, often just decide their way is the right way. Um, it's like .com with the internet, right? There's no .com.us because they just went, oh, we can have that. You guys can have your own country ones if you want. Uh, they use slightly. <laughs> Sense. But Investopedia is great conceptually, yes. Yeah, it, I mean, look, for the big broad, but I mean, things yeah, totally, things 100%. can get into the weeds. Remember yeah. where they, they changed like how you account for leases and stuff, oh, yeah. double ASB accounting changes. I mean, you, you can get yes. really, really deep on this stuff, but the big stuff's going to be the same, right, yeah, around yeah, the definitely. world. Um, another one that I'll give a, a very happy shout out to, um, and people might smirk if they know the name, but there's a guy called Michael Saylor. If right. you know, you know. Uh, there is I'll no do. second best. Um, but anyway, he has this brilliant, brilliant website called sailor.org, which is a free online university. So he's one of these people nice. who's just, he's on a mission to sort of give free education. And like whether you want to learn coding or, or uh, gosh, any number of things, there's oh. free, exceptionally high quality resources. And oh. when I say free, free, like absolutely free. And they've got a whole section on financial statements. And they'll like you actually get an uh, accreditation out of that. How, how that is recognized by potential employers is another thing. But if, if you're, so if you're looking to become an accountant, okay, go, go to a formal university. Uh, if you're looking just to get your head around it, I would mm-hmm. say don't give University of Sydney 20 grand to learn this mm-hmm. stuff. Like go on here and do it for free. And if you find you yep. just can't get enough of it and you need the degree, well then fine, do that as well. But then there, there are some really, really good um, uh, uh, resources and that it'll carry you a long way. 100%. And my point about uni, don't do a bachelor's degree, don't do a $20,000 course, do two units, which will cost you a couple of grand each. If, yeah. If that, or do these, for, do these first, or, I would yeah, say, totally. if, yep. if you're tight like me, because yeah, you can do them at your own pace and the rest of it. And then, yep, and then if you fair. need more, sure. you can. And I, got, yeah, I mean, it just shows my age, right? I, I, you spend much more time on YouTube than I do around, largely because you're looking at Bitcoin videos. But, <laughs> uh, but, but occasionally when you're not doing that, you're seeing other things. Um, I, I'm just old. I don't reckon I've used YouTube for education, I think, ever, probably. Uh, um, check it out. Revisit yeah, no, it. I believe you. I, I absolutely I, Revisit I believe you i just yeah, yeah. I, I haven't given those as examples because i don't have a reference point to say use this or do that i i probably should look and find some some, some references you're absolutely right it's a, it's a bit like uh twitter i think when you first get onto twitter it's sort of like there's just noise everywhere this is all dumb oh, isn't there yeah. but anyone who's been on twitter for a while yeah, recognizes that well if you spend a bit of time curating who you follow mm-hmm. and that it's an incredibly valuable resource and yes. you just you filter out the stuff that you know is is, is just noise and guff yeah, same with youtube point. right you the as evil as the algorithms are, they'll, they'll, they'll also they'll figure out what you like as well pretty quickly, and you'll start. You, there's there's just some very very like amazingly high quality content yep. out there. Yep, yeah, exactly. a bunch of rubbish, but you know that, that that's 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 what you're going to get on an open public forum. What you yep. you you 
but but don't don't dismiss it is what I would say. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't yeah. mean to say I was dismissing it. I, just, I couldn't no, have no, been no, able no. to use it as a reference because I just haven't to. I, I haven't used it, so I haven't used it. Oh, hey, um, mate, here's a question from Rebecca, um, who uh, finishes with a finishes with a flourish, which I'll share as we get towards the end. Hey, fellas, she says, I have a question for the podcast machine or the pod machine if you're one of the cool kids with your hip and groovy ways. <laughs> now, at this point, I can't decide whether she's having a go at us for saying we think we're hip and groovy or that we wouldn't know because we're not hip and groovy. But in either case, I'm not sure Rebecca's giving us a compliment. That's all I'm saying. It's written beautifully where she can you know, pretend she was saying she's on our side. I think it's about three ways to offend us and only one way to not offend us. And I'm not entirely sure she meant it that way. Do you have a, do you have a suspicion? Well, it's like being cool, right? Like if, if, yeah. y- if you have to ask whether you're cool, <laughs> you're right. not cool. Or more importantly, right? if you try and tell people you're cool, you're definitely not yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you do, you, <laughs> Being being cool is not caring whether you're cool or not. So that makes us super cool. I once tried to say uh, I, I may not be cool, but I'm classy and it never goes out of style, uh, uh, which yeah, exposed me as an absolute tosser. So uh, it didn't last very long. Uh, Rebecca goes on. I want to talk about Bitcoin. You know, hey. that dodgy crypto thing because I want to get on the property ladder. She says, insert rant here. I love it. That's great. Just kidding. Oh, was that a fun? Don't just kid. I got excited then. Well, she did go with the dodgy crypto thing in the property ladder. She was trying to really wind up. I know. I know. I know. Uh, Just kidding. She says, in all seriousness, a little while ago, there was a question about record keeping for capital gains purposes. I'm new to share investing, so it caused me to wonder, what record keeping should I be doing? I'm an ETF investor at this stage. She says, kiss which I'm sure stands for keep it simple Scott, but she may be something something else. I have a spreadsheet, she says, with what I bought. Yes, I use the code because I'm a lazy sod. Rebecca, 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 you know better. The date I bought, how many units and at what dollar value per unit? Is this sufficient? Are there other things to consider? I'm hoping you can help me to, quote, square the circle or at least, quote, circle back to it without, quote, parking it. Never to be heard of again. <laughs> On a more general note, I absolutely love the podcast, particularly the ranty antics. That, that'd be your uh, that'd be your MC your, your DJ name, MC ranty antics. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Me it. and the gleeful banter. It's such a useful and entertaining resource. Many thanks to the whole team for your contribution to society. With warm regards and fondness, Rebecca. In brackets, age twenty eight. Feel free to hate away. <laughs> See Rebecca, you've got me. You know, you know. There's the, the thing about you know, if you had a perpetual motion machine, you'd you'd have a you get take a cat right on the back of the cat. You put a bread and you butter the bread because butter always lands butter bread always lands buttered side down, but a cat always lands on its feet. So if you dropped it, the thing would just spin in the air because it couldn't land on either of those sides. Uh, you, you've kind of got me like that, Rebecca. Like I'm, I love our female listeners, as you well know. Uh, there should be more female investors, many more female listeners. I'm stoked that you're listening, and thanks for your kind words, by the way. On the other hand, you're 28, so I want to hate you as well. So I'm, I'm kind of that, I'm that cat with butter on my back. If that's not a weird idea uh trying to work out how to how to, how to finish this one i'm not sure I'll, I'll leave that one for a minute i'll come back to it rebecca if that's okay <laughs> in the meantime ram let's try and answer rebecca's question not about bitcoin or crypto or the property no. ladder but about, <laughs> but about about record keeping what information uh should rebecca and our other listeners be keeping on their shares yeah no she's got it yeah what was the what was the name or slash code um <laughs> what was the date what was the amount units mm-hmm. and and dollar amount that that that'll that'll carry a long way um yep. that'll that'll do everything really uh, uh can i add one thing yep you need to include the brokerage oh, oh sorry excellent point yes yeah. you need to include the cost of trade yes you do you do and, and the then you also quickly is when you I'll let you go. when you when you do that when you have capital gains you're allowed to or you you, you can you suppose you should because it's real um inc- you reduce your cost base by the brokerage cost of buying and selling. So mm. you buy for this price per share and you paid that much brokerage, that's your cost base. Uh, mm. When you sell, you sell for this price, you have less this much brokerage. The difference between all of those, so you take your, 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 your sell price, hopefully higher than your buy price, and you take out the brokerage from that and what's left is then capital gains taxable. Brokerage is probably not massive, but it's something and you might as well get the benefit back from the ATO rather than paying tax on it. Yep. Um, you also make sure you keep note of any distributions that come your yes, way. Um, yes. That's that's going to be the thing. Is with that you can put off the capital gain stuff until you eventually sell. So Correct. it's not you can you can defer and very hopefully you are deferring that a long time because you just mm. you just you're only especially at twenty eight you're just building you're not you're not drawing down. Um, 
but yeah, income has to be uh, accounted for in the year that it was received. So, yes. so do that as well. Which going to easier, sound- right? Because you know it's within 12 months. So you're going to yeah. get a couple of dividends. Uh, if it's an ETF, you might be getting four, depending on which one it is. But you're only getting that many. The end of the year, the ETF provider will also give you a tax statement, which has yeah. everything you need. It's super easy, right? So on a yearly basis, that tax statement, uh, which takes care of your income from dividends and then the capital gains information we just talked about. Go on, mate. I, I, I always cringe a little bit in this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to shill and um, share something. Oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I use it and I always did. Yeah, and now we're too. an affiliate. Strawman's an affiliate partner of ShareSite, which means that if you go to strawman.com forward slash blog, I think you wanted the second link there will be a ShareSite discount code, which just basically means you get a bit of a discount and we get a bit of a kickback and mm-hmm. ShareSite gets a new client. So it's kind of a win, win, win. Um, you get to try it for free forever if you just want to have one portfolio with less than 10 holdings. So if you're an ETF investor, you probably do, so you mm-hmm. never have to pay for it. Um, so I'm shilling here, but I just I genuinely, I genuinely really like the product just because what it does, uh, particularly if you've got direct shares and it's just all over the place, it just plugs directly into my Comsec account or whatever broker you use. It just sucks it. I don't have to do any. At the end of the year, I go report. And I send that to the accountant or if you want to do it yourself, you can do it yourself. It does everything. It does everything. And here it is. Put this number here. It's so easy. It's so ridiculously. I'm actually a little bit surprised that the broking firms themselves haven't introduced this as a feature. Yeah. Um, I have a suspicion they uh, don't want us to recognize we're making losses just quietly. Oh yes, that 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 which is- I could be wrong. That'd be be my guess. What's the saying? That which is measured is- uh, uh, anyway, I'm sure someone out there knows what they're saying. <laughs> Very erudite and uh, excellent example, Andrew. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I would check it out and and uh, don't, don't you, let me say this though as well. There is absolutely nothing wrong with using a spreadsheet. There's absolutely nothing wrong with just like writing it on a piece of paper. Just just record it, right? And um, it the, the more active you are, the more of a headache it's going to be. And I feel as like something a little bit more professional is going to make your is going to be worth every cent that you pay for it. Mm. Because when it comes to at some point in the future, and you've bought this one, you went in and out a hundred times on this company, and then you've got dividends, and there was a split adjusted, you know the thing and then there was a, a a capital restructure of some sort and a buyback and there's and it's just going to be a nightmare if i can just press a button and go that's the result mm. and it's just it's just nice too for performance tracking uh as well but yeah but just i i can't really fault what you're doing to be honest yeah i like that um i don't think i've got much to add i like share site as well i use it i get nothing out of it um, so use andrew's link so you get some money you save some money but uh yeah share site's great um, with an ETF, you probably don't even need to do that, honestly, but it's also no. it means it's kind of over there and someone's doing it and the reporting is really simple, which is kind of nice. That being said, if you're going to add, 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 add for 40 years and eventually sell, uh, paying share site for 40 years as much as they would appreciate it, probably not necessary uh, as long as you keep the information you've got. Um, yeah, as long as, as long as, as long as you do, so you do the yearly stuff with the tax statement they will send you, which makes it so easy, and um, and keep information on your purchase price and and uh, volumes and dates and all that kind of stuff. Um, you're pretty much you're pretty much done. Um, if and when you sell, uh, the way you sell is does matter. So you can use one of I think three different ways. The ATO lets you record your your sales if you're going to sell partial. Um, shares or partial part of your portfolio at a time you can kind of choose which parcel to sell that kind of thing uh, but that's hopefully well into your future if you've kept all that information though you can then choose what you do and when you do it so as long as you're keeping that information uh, you're, you're pretty much sweet as a, a nut should be should be fine um mate i reckon i reckon we're probably done for today we will come back next friday though now i haven't done this call out for a while it is call out time for questions for the mailbag I'm really happy we've got through a heap. Um, we've got a, again, spoiler alert, some good mailbag coming up. I know that because we've already pre-recorded them. Uh, so make sure you do tune in for that. But if you want your questions answered, I would love you to send them to us. Now, the easiest way, frankly, these days, because we get so many, which is great, is via email. I know that's old school. I feel like saying, yeah, send us a letter in the mail. Uh, but uh, it's just easy because our customer service, our member services, will sort them out for me and put them in order. So it just means I don't miss them. Uh, so frankly, if you want to make sure I get your email, it's probably your question. It's probably the best way to do it. I get them on Twitter and Facebook too. And occasionally I kind of try and remember to get them all and put them all in. And every now and again, someone emails me and says, 
Oh, it's messing with us. I think you might have forgotten that question I asked a couple of months ago. I was like, oh, yeah, I did. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> short, uh, short, uh, long story short, info, I-N-F-O at fool.com.au. Tell them it's a mailbag question. They will send it my way. They'll drop it in my Slack channel, uh, which is where I get them all. So that's one way you can get in touch and stay in touch. Um, by the way, speaking of staying in touch, follow us on the socials. Andrew is on Twitter at Sage underscore Simeon and at Strawman Invest. You can follow him there and interact with him on that platform. Uh, I am also on Twitter, but also Insta and Threads under the same handle of at TMF, which is The Motley Fool, at TMF Scott P. You can grab me on those. Uh, at The Motley Fool AU is The Motley Fool's handle on those accounts. And if you're on Facebook, please follow me there. Uh, here's that extra bonus on the Facebook one. It's where I post uh, the emails that I write that I send out to our readers. You can jump on the email list, by the way. Uh, but if you want to read some longer form stuff that I write, uh, it's harder to post that on, on Twitter because it's 280 characters. Uh, but jump on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Scott Phillips money. That's it. That's a lot. Ram, when you come back next Friday? You know I will. I know you already have because you've already recorded it. <laughs> Until then, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend and full on. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.